0: What's up? What's up? What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 52 of the first and foremost sports podcast. I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. I'm with my co-host. I'm Jimmy Covington. How y'all doing? What's going on, Jimmy? How you doing, bro? I'm
1: doing good, man. How you doing?
0: Man, I'm doing pretty good. It's, you know, it's been raining on and off all day today, but of course, we're not going to let it rain on our parade. You know, we're going to you know, keep pushing with the show, so... Yes, sir. And, of course, uh, before we proceed, we want to remind everyone, uh, you can follow us on social media. Uh, we're First and foremost Sports Podcast. We have our Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter, also on Instagram. You can find our podcast on virtually every podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Anchor. Uh, and you can subscribe, follow, leave comments, Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate any and all feedback, and we appreciate the support. Uh, But without further ado, we want to go with our second edition of our Quick Hits uh, segment that we introduced on last week. And first up, you know, on the menu, Kyrie Irving became the latest NBA player to join the 50-40-90 club. So, Jimmy, what, what did you take away from that?
1: Well, Kyrie's actually the 13th player in NBA history, and it's been the 14th time uh, in between the WNBA and the NBA that it's been done. Uh, Kyrie averaging almost 27 points, five rebounds, six assists, almost 51% from the field, 40% from three, 92% from the free throw line. Like we talked about last week, I think Kyrie is the most skilled player in the game. I'm actually surprised it's been the first time uh, that he's been able to do it. We've known what a three-point shot looks like. He's always been a great free throw shooter. Uh, but his efficiency has taken a uh, jump forward. I think that's partly due to, you know, having Kevin Durant and James Harden alongside. So congratulations to Kyrie, uh, ultra-efficient, ultra-skilled. and Shout out to Kyrie, like I said.
0: Yeah, like you said, I, I definitely believe his efficiency has skyrocketed due to the fact that he can now play alongside Kevin Durant and James Harden, especially having a guy in James Harden who's a phenomenal playmaker, by the way. Uh, But like you said, Kyrie Irving on his Uncle Drew, seven-time all-star, you know, two-time all-NBA. This is just the latest accolade to add to his long list. Uh, He's an NBA champion. Uh, So, like, you know, the Nets are clicking at the right time with the playoffs coming up. So, they're definitely going to be a scary offensive team. Uh, Next up on our quick hits, J. Cole made his professional uh, basketball debut in Africa. Jimmy, what did you see?
1: Well, actually, the game, I think, happened around 7 a.m. our time, so I definitely wasn't able to watch it Sunday morning. I was definitely well asleep, but I got to catch some highlights, and I looked at his stat line. I put up three points, three rebounds, two assists in 17 minutes, and most importantly, his team did get the win, so shout out to J. Cole for, you know, being able to do something a lot of young guys dream of, especially a lot of young black men being able to play basketball, at a pro level, and being able to rap at a high level. So shout out to J. Cole. It's, it's, I'm sure it's something that he thought about as a kid. And to actually see him be able to do it at age 36 is amazing.
0: Right. Definitely shout out J. Cole. Like you said, stat line definitely doesn't blow you away. But nonetheless, it's definitely impressive to be able to say, you know, hey, he was able to play in a professional basketball game. Um, And, you know, seeing, you know, I think he actually scored this one field goal, on a put-back layup, and then this third point came on a free throw, but, you know, his team, they got real enthusiastic even prior to the game. You know, he was able to warm up to his brand new album, uh, which was fire, by the way. And, you know, I think just just overall, it was just an exciting experience.
1: Definitely, I, I'm definitely going to try to watch, get a chance to watch him play at some point pretty soon.
0: Right, no doubt. Must see TV. Uh, and, I think that pretty much wraps up our quick hits for this week, but we do want to stick on the lines of basketball. So I don't know if we want to quite say playoff basketball is here yet, but you know, pretty much some teams are already in a win or go home scenario. So on tonight we have the first games of the play in. We have the number nine Indiana Pacers going up against the number 10 Charlotte Hornets. They're actually playing each other um, as we're recording this episode. The current score in the third quarter, the Pacers are up 78-51. So, Jimmy, uh, you know, this lopsided score pretty much, you know, what do you have to say about this game?
1: So before before I do that, I do want to remind everybody that the way the seeding works, so the winner of the seven and the eight matchup gets the seven seed. The loser of the seven-eight matchup plays the winner of the nine-ten matchup, and they get the number eight seed. But since you know Indiana and Charlotte is playing right now, I might as well start with the Eastern Conference. So Indiana is sitting at nine, Charlotte is at ten. I'm honestly surprised right now because Malcolm Brogdon was dealing with a hamstring injury, Aaron Holiday was dealing with a right toe, Jeremy Lamb, Jerry Lamb, excuse me, is out with a left knee. Karis LaVert is out with health and safety protocols. Sabonis was available. He's dealing with a right quad injury. Edwin Summer is available. He's dealing with a left knee. And Miles Turner is out with a right toe injury. So I definitely did not expect him to beat Charlotte tonight. Uh, if you're looking at the, just the stat line, you know, Terry Rozier isn't shooting the ball well. LaMelo really hasn't done much. Uh, Cody Zeller has been the best player on the floor for Charlotte right now. And that's definitely not going to be enough to get it done. So if Charlotte wants to wants to potential playoff spot, they better step it up this next two quarters.
0: Right. I agree with you. And before this game started, I, you know, just like you was rolling with Charlotte. But, you know, the Pacers are getting some contributions from some unsung heroes. You know, of course, we all know Doug McDermott. He was a great college player Um, and currently he has 20 points. He's four or five from three point range. But another guy, O'Shea Brissett. He actually has 12 points right now. He's a first-year player out of Syracuse. Uh, He's five for six on the field, four rebounds. Uh, So he looks to be pretty much uh, the the spark that the Pacers needed because Sabonis is two of nine, so he's real struggling. I don't know if he's still probably lingering or dealing with lingering effects of that issue that you mentioned. Uh, But, you know, he's, he's definitely night in, night out by far the best player for the Pacers, but I anticipate, you know, even if the Pacers hold on to this lead, I don't think they'll defeat the uh loser of the Celtics and Wizards game.
1: Neither do I. And that's actually the perfect segue because tonight at eight o'clock uh Pacific Time um, excuse me, not Pacific yeah, Pacific Time, sorry. No, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Oh, man. That's a a perfect segue going to tonight's game. Uh, Playing at 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight, Boston and Washington. Uh, It's going to be interesting. We both – we talked about it last week. Jalen Brown is out, and Bradley Beal has been currently dealing with a hamstring injury that's been bothering him for a few weeks now. They just played a couple nights ago. Brad Beal had, I think, 25 points, but he struggled shooting the ball mightily. And, you know, Washington is going to need him if they want to beat Boston. I'm just going to be honest with you. Even though, you know, in Boston they're dealing with some injuries of their own. But, you know, I I think – I I got to go Washington tonight. I think Brad Beal, you know, if he plays, I think he'll be – he'll be able to play at a high enough level today they can get the job done because they still have Russell Westbrook too, so.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Like you said, for one, on Boston side, no Jalen Brown. And even before Jalen Brown got hurt, really, they just look like a team that lacked cohesion on both ends of the floor. You know, usually they're known as a pretty good defensive team, but Boston just – hasn't been that same caliber of team on that end of the floor this year. And they've been highly inconsistent. Uh, You don't really know if you're able to rely on them on a night in, night out basis. Um, And just looking on the other side, you got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. If it ultimately comes down to it in clutch time, I think I trust those two players more than I would anybody on Boston, not named Jason Tatum. And in this winner go home format, Westbrook or Beal, you know, given his injury, if he's healthy, either one of them could easily explode and go crazy. And then another neutralizer you have that goes in Washington's favor is that they're first in the league in pace, and they like to get up and down the court and play real fast. Uh, and so we know we know that they've been one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Over like the last twenty twenty five games or so. So if they get if they get past Boston tonight, uh the 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 Wizards could pose as a tough first round outing for either the 76ers or the Nets.
1: Definitely. Like I said, I got I got Washington. I think they I think they're able to get it done. And honestly, I'm kinda kinda concerned for Boston because if Indiana can play like they're doing right now against Boston that Boston is definitely gonna miss out.
0: Right, because with this score, like I said, Sabonis only has four points. He's not even having close to a good game. So, uh, definitely, uh, Boston, I think I mentioned before, too, I definitely wouldn't be shocked if they don't even get into the official playoff bracket.
1: I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either.
0: But moving on to the other side of the league, we got the NBA's Western Conference. Their two play-in games will be taking place on Wednesday night. So, first up, we have the 9-seed Memphis Grizzlies taking on the 10-seed San Antonio Spurs. So, Jimmy, uh, you know, who you got? What you looking for in this matchup?
1: I definitely got Memphis. I'm expecting John Morant to show up and show out. I'm expecting Jaron Jackson to play ball, uh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, I'm expecting all those guys to play to contribute well and ball up. And I, I got them over San Antonio, who's played well this season.
0: I agree with you. Uh this is definitely an interesting matchup. If anything, I think the Grizzlies, uh, we know we all know that they're a young team. They really showed their youth uh in that game against the Warriors. Of course, we know if they had won, they would have been uh the eighth seed. But you know, that that has to be one of Memphis's biggest concerns going into a game like this, especially uh, against a team that led by Coach Popovich. They got plenty of veterans. And then when your best player is John Morant, I think the Spurs, they have a couple guys on the perimeter where I wouldn't be surprised that all of John, John uh, struggled a little bit in this game.
1: Definitely, you you pretty much hit all the key points. Uh, I'm just ready to watch the games. But I'm just be honest with you. It's closest thing, you know. It's been almost a year since we got some playoff basketball. It's always the best time of the year for the NBA is playoff, and this is gonna be the closest thing we'll get to the playoffs until they actually start Saturday.
0: Right, you you got there right. I think it'll definitely be a close game, uh, and that takes us to, of course, the winner of this game will take on the loser between the seven C C L.A. Lakers and the A C Garden State Warriors. So, Jimmy, take it away.
1: Uh, this matchup right here is going to be very interesting. I'm interested to see what the Lakers decide to do defensively against Stephen Curry, who's been the hottest player in the league for quite some time, putting up historical numbers, led the league in scoring at 32 points per game, won the scoring title once again, has answered all the doubters, you know, saying that he might get exposed before the season started. Here he is, has his team in the playoff hunt with guys missing time. You know, Klay Thompson getting hurt before the season started. James Wiseman getting hurt. So I I expect Steph Curry to show up and show out. Uh, But it's just depending upon who else decides to to show up and play. Because they're going to need Andrew Wiggins. They're going to need Draymond Green to be his vintage self. They're going to need Kelly. They're going to need all of those guys to contribute in a big way. But I definitely have L.A. in this matchup. LeBron looks healthier. Anthony Davis looks healthier. You know, and we're looking like we're gelling at the right time. We've been hot as of late. So I expect the Lakers to get this dub. I expect LeBron to be LeBron. I expect AD to do his thing. I expect John to contribute. Kyle Kuzma, hopefully he can be consistent. You know, hopefully Taylor and Horton Tucker get some minutes. You know, we get the same thing every night from Alex Caruso. We know he's going to play hard and make winning plays. So I, I definitely give the Lakers the edge in this matchup.
0: Yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, I think I'll take the Lakers in this matchup as well. Uh, you know, both teams actually are very, very good on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, the Lakers, they're first in the league in defensive rating. Golden State's actually fifth. Uh, and of course, that's in large part due to Draymond Green, who I'll probably talk about a little bit or uh, a little later in the show. Uh, but we know how versatile he is on defensive end of the floor. Andrew Wiggins, he stepped up in a big way on the end of the floor. Uh, they have other guys like Kavon Looney. They got Kent Bazemore. Uh, so they definitely take care of that business uh, down there. And like you said, the offense speaks for itself. Steph Curry, you know, he's a walking bucket. Like you said, he's had an MVP caliber caliber year. They definitely wouldn't be even in this position had it not been for him. Uh, I and I do have to say, I think if there's any concern on the Lakers end, uh, I definitely hope that LeBron's 100%. I don't think he truly, truly is, but I say he's probably right at 90. But I definitely don't have any doubt in my mind, uh, that he'll be ready to play. And definitely Anthony Davis, uh, seems like he gets some type of minor bang up or nick up or some injury every other game, so. Just hope those two guys can stay healthy. Hope everyone can stay healthy uh, for that matter. Uh, But like I said, I'm taking the L.A. Lakers in this matchup.
1: I know I saw LeBron roll his ankle the other night, but he turned out to be okay. Uh, So that's going to be something to watch going forward. You know, hopefully throughout the playoffs, they continue to nurse the ankle injury. Because we, I mean, we've heard, I've listened to Shannon Sharp talk about high ankle, high ankle sprains and how they affect you, you know, excuse me, for a while after it happened so i'm sure he's not at 100% I, I wouldn't expect him to but 75 80% of lebron james is better than more player is better than most players you know who've ever played the game so i'll take 75 80% of lebron james
0: that's fact 75 80% of lebron still first ballot hall of fame <laughs> but that takes us to our next topic speaking of hall of fame and accolades uh we actually Before we get to the Hall of Fame, we have the accolades. We want to do our award predictions for this NBA season. So first up, Jimmy, who do you think is locking up the MVP trophy this year?
1: It's like I mentioned a while ago when we talked about this. I'm going with Nikola Jokic. I haven't changed my position at all. He's averaged 26 and a half points, 10 rebounds, almost 11 rebounds, excuse me. Uh, Eight eight assists per game, 56% from the field almost 39% from three, nearly 87% from the free throw line. He's been great. He's played in all 72 games. That's something that a lot of guys haven't been able to say, especially those guys, other guys who are in the MVP conversation. A lot of stars have missed a lot of games, but Nikola Jokic has been able to be consistent and being continuously being the lineup. and Denver, you know, they've reaped the benefits of that. They're currently sitting at third in, well, they sit at third in the Western conference, despite Jamal Murray only playing 48 games. So, has to be Nikola Jokic. I mean, I've heard Steph Curry, but they're in the play-in for a reason. So, I mean, he's had the better season statistically, yeah. Uh, But Nikola Jokic has been the best player on a top-four seed in the Western Conference, and it speaks for something.
0: Right. Uh, Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a few of these awards where it'll just be common sense for us to agree on the same winner. And I think this is the first one, definitely, for sure. Uh, Nikola Jokic is my MVP. He's actually leading the league in all major advanced stat categories, including PER, win shares, win shares per 48, uh, his box plus minus score. I mean, pretty much every category. And like you said, you definitely can't ignore, he still carried this Denver Nuggets team, even with the absence of Jamal Murray. You know, they still play at an extremely high level. Um, and like you said... I think it ultimately boils down to he was able to stay healthy all 72 games and pretty much all of those 72 games, he was brilliant pretty much night in and night out. And so I don't think there's any question that Nikola Jokic is this year's MVP. So, Definitely.
1: And I, I do want to add, you know, had Joel Embiid been healthy, I would have picked Joel Embiid, but he wasn't healthy. Oh, which is not a surprise, uh, but like I think mm-hmm. deserves it, and, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, like I said, I definitely think it ultimately came down to uh, who was able to stay healthy and who was available more nice this year. Uh, so next up, we got Defensive Player of the Year. So who you rolling with on this
1: one? I'm going with Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Simmons averaging a combined 2.2 steals and blocks per game. As top 10 in the league in deflections per game at three and a half. He can legitimately guard the one through the five at six foot 10. And uh, the stats are going to favor, the the defensive metrics, excuse me, are going to favor Rudy Gobert. Uh, But I think Simmons does more defensively. You know, Gobert is mostly in the paint, which at seven foot two, that's where he should be. Uh, But Ben Simmons routinely guards the opponent's best wing player or best guard. And of course, Rudy Gobert can't do this. So, He has more responsibility defensively, and he still, you know, is is able to, you know, routinely shut shut guys down, slow them down night in and night out. So I got to go with Ben Simmons.
0: You know, with all due respect to the other candidates, including Ben Simmons, I think everybody's overlooking who the obvious defensive player of the year candidate is, and I think it's Draymond Green. I think you know he does more on the defensive end than anybody else in the league with less around him to work with. Uh you know, he's had to get stops, you know, for years and you know we know what he's done on the championship level Warriors team. He's not quite that level anymore, but night in, night out he's able to guard 1 through 5 pretty much better than anybody else in the league and he still covers up his teammates' mistakes better than anybody else. Uh and you know, you have to attribute his, you know, his presence for the improvement we've seen that Andrew Wiggins improvement on the defensive end of the floor. And I just think when you look at Ben Simmons, you know he has Matisse Steible. You got uh Joel and B. You got guys like Danny Green who surround him. Uh, you also mentioned Rudy Gobert. Uh, I think Quinn Snyder, he draws up a really nice defensive scheme for their team, and he also has pieces around him as well. And so, like I said, I believe Draymond Green uh, is the guy who takes the takes the crown as best defensive player in the league.
1: That's interesting. I definitely didn't see that coming. I honestly thought you were going to say Van Adebayo, which I wouldn't have disagreed with at all because he's one of those guys that can guard the one through five, too. I looked at, you know, some of the numbers – guarding some of the best guards in the league, and he's shutting those guys down too. So Bam is a unicorn. Ben is a unicorn. Those guys are both unicorns. And Draymond is one of the best defenders of his generation. So, I, you know, that's definitely surprising me. But, hey, Draymond is a great defender.
0: And, you know, I'm glad you brought up Bam because I'm actually a huge fan of Bam out of Bayer. And if And if, if I had any say, I'd say out of all the guys we just named, once it's all said and done, he could go down as the best defender out of all of them.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's just that's, that's
0: just the level of versatility and talent that he has on the defensive end of the floor.
1: That is true. And he's going to give you five assists and 20 points and 10 boards as well.
0: Exactly. No doubt. Uh, but moving on to our next award, we have the sixth man of the year. Uh, so, Jimmy, who you got on this one?
1: I got to go with Jordan Clarkson, averaging 18 points a game, has multiple 40-point games this year, and he's you know an offensive stalwart on one of the best teams in the league, uh, in, the, in the Western Conference in the league, in the Utah Jazz. So, I didn't really think, excuse me, there were many guys that made themselves worthy of six-man-a-year consideration more than Jordan Clarkson. You know, in years previous, it's been Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams, who's consistently been one of the best six-man in the league and one of the best of all time. But Lou Williams took a step back this year, wasn't playing as many minutes. So I definitely, I originally I expected him to be in this conversation once again, but Jordan Clarkson is playing some of the best ball of his career. So hopefully he gets this award.
0: Yeah, definitely props to Jordan Clarkson. I I don't think you can go wrong with uh, him as six man in the year. And I, I believe he'll win it. But my personal, I say who I believe was six man in the year, I actually chose his teammate, uh, Joe Ingles. Uh, You know, he's just – he's, for one, a lethal catch-and-shoot threat. Uh, He's shooting only 45%, nearly 46 from three this year. And then on offense, you can also put the ball in his hand and ask him to make plays for his teammates. And then what ultimately sets him apart apart for me as well, Uh, You can depend on him night in and night out on the defensive end of the floor. And so, you know, with the combination of those things, I believe Joe Ingles should get some love as sixth man of the year.
1: I can't argue with that. I just think Jordan Clarkson – well, Joe Ingles is extremely important to what the Utah Jazz like to do. But I think Jordan Clarkson is more likely to swing games come playoff time.
0: I agree with you. Uh but Jordan Clarkson for me too, he has that that ice hot or or not ice hot, but he'll be on fire one night and then he'll be cold as ice the next. <laughs>
1: that, that has happened in years past, but I think he's been more consistent this year than he's ever been.
0: Oh, no doubt for sure. I think I even saw he's averaging um his per 36 stats this year. We'll put him at, like, 25 a game.
1: That's, that's impressive. That's impressive.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm glad, you know, he he finally worked on that shot IQ because I know you remember his young days with the Lakers. You know I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But moving on to our next award, uh, we have Rookie of the Year. So who you rolling with on this one?
1: I have to go with Lamelo Ball. I don't know if you think this is a surprise or not, but Lamelo Ball has been sensational early no. on. I didn't honestly didn't think he would be this good this early on, averaging almost sixteen points, six rebounds, six assists, one point six steals a game. Uh, shooting forty four percent from the field, uh, he's an average three point shooter, solid free throw shooter. Uh, he missed twenty one games this year, which is a concern, but he only he, and he only started thirty one games. Uh but he has Charlotte in the play in. I think he very much has a lot to do with uh Charlotte's success this season. And he leads Anthony Edwards in every category except points per game and minutes per game. And we know the Timberwolves are nowhere near uh playoff contention. So I have to go
0: with Lamilla Ball. Right. Definitely no disrespect. You know, Anthony Edwards, he had a great rookie year. Uh so did guys like, you know, Tyrese Halliburton he had a pretty solid year also. But I think LaMelo Ball easily takes home the crown on this one. Uh, and I believe in large part, it was because he had opened up the gap so wide before he did get hurt. But, you know, like you said, so many people didn't see him being good, especially so fast, because he had one of the craziest paths that we've ever seen to the NBA. Of course, he, he you know, got out of high school early, uh, he played low-level pro ball in Lithuania. He played 12 games over in Australia. And then you look, now he's with the Hornets. Uh, And you know pretty much him single-handedly, you know, give Gordon Hayward some credit also for coming this offseason. But as far as entertainment goes and just how we view that team, LaMelo Balls completely changed that. And so I think, you know, that's why he easily – Takes home the crown for rookie of the year this season,
1: and he, he's not making he's not making our picks look too good right now. Uh, only has five points, one rebound, and three assists, and he's one of seven from the field. They Charlotte is getting destroyed right now. They're down thirty uh, at the end of the third quarter.
0: Yeah, and you see, this is this is the time of year where youth definitely shows.
1: It's true. The only and I think
0: because you got to remember guy. that Pacers team they got some veterans, they battle tested.
1: That's true, and the only guy that really has playoff experience is Terry Rozier.
0: Right, because Gordon Hayward's still out. I think I saw the Hornets without Gordon Hayward this year. They're like nine and nineteen, and with them, they're like twenty four and twenty.
1: Well, Gordon Hayward is definitely a pendulum swinger. Uh, he's a, a a great player.
0: Right, right, a Swiss Army knife, if you will. <laughs> yep. Uh, but our next. Award prediction: We got coach, or actually, we'll say that for last. Uh, most improved. Uh, so who you got for most improved?
1: I think this is it. this is the the easiest award to pick for me, and that's Julius Randle uh, out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty four points, ten boards, six assists. I think he's one of five or six players in league history to put up that stat line. He's also shooting uh forty six percent from the field, forty one percent from three. 81% from the free throw line. He's averaging a career high in points per game, assists per game, minutes per game, steals per game, three-pointers made a game, three-pointers attempted a game, and three-point field goal percentage. And he's the best player on the top four team in the Eastern Conference. I don't – there's no more no that really needs to be said. Night in and night that Julius Randle is making big-time plays in the clutch, uh, putting up amazing numbers. He's looking like one of the best forwards in the game.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I definitely – like you said, this was an award – Julius Randle is – the no other guy should even be mentioned for this award, uh, which he should be getting MVP votes as well. Uh, but definitely hats off to Julius Randle. You know, he got his first all-star selection. This is his seventh season. And he's playing in the NBA's probably the toughest market. Uh, you know, we pretty much know the New York Knicks, they were a dumpster fire. And what he's been able to go and do there in his first year – you know not only end their playoff drought after eight years, but get them home court advantage in the first round uh that made this choice easy uh you know he always had the skill set that translated so well to a winning team, and now it's just good to see that see those uh see the fruits of his labor labor finally pay off
1: he's definitely one of my third players in the league and he's been one of my third players for for a few years now.
0: Yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, and you know he's another guy, young Laker, and I actually still I never forget his very first NBA game. He broke his leg. I remember
1: that game. I was devastated.
0: <laughs> Man, yeah, that was sad because he was just a top ten pick. Uh, but the way he's bounced back has been nothing short of crazy. And while we're talking about the Knicks, um, I think they might have a head coach who's in the running for our last award that we have. And that's coach of the year. So who you rolling with?
1: I got to go with Tom Thib- Thibodeau. Uh, it's amazing what he's been able to help the Knicks accomplish. they like I said, fourth in the Eastern Conference with a forty-one and thirty-one record. This is the New York Knicks' first playoff appearance since twenty thirteen, and I think he's done it. I don't know if you would consider, you know, Julius Randle a superstar, uh, but he's definitely a star, a high level star. So I mean, he's only he's doing that with one high level star and you know a bunch of solid role players. And that's tough considering the way the league is set up. Well, not even – not today, just how the league has been set up, you know, all all of this time. You know, the league has always been star-driven. And to have – you know, to be able to be in the top four in the Eastern Conference without a true superstar is something to behold. And that's a credit to Tom Thibodeau's coaching ability.
0: No doubt. You know, as a Bulls fan, I know all about Coach Thibodeau's work. Uh, you know, of course, a few years ago, things were rough for him. He had a, a rough time in Minnesota, uh, but now he's made his return. And, he, you know, he's taken this team from lottery bound to top four in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, like I said earlier with Julius Randle, they've helped change the perception of, you know, pretty much they were the NBA's most dysfunctional franchise. Um, and, you know, the way he's. Their identity now and how they win ball games with hard nosed defense and you know they take care of the basketball. It really brings back you know kind of reminiscent of the Pat Riley Knicks back in the day. Uh, so definitely, definitely hats off and props to Tom Thibodeau. Uh, as some other guys who I think should get some consideration. Uh, for this award also, you got Quinn Snyder in Utah. And Monty Williams and Phoenix, they both both done uh good jobs also.
1: Definitely shout out to those coaches. It's been an amazing year of NBA basketball.
0: No doubt, man. I think it's been a great year. Um, and you know, we staying with the NBA, uh, but moving more so to the post career side. Uh, we actually just had the Hall of Fame inductions that just passed. The 2020 class was inducted. Uh so Jimmy, I know. Your favorite player was inducted, so let us let us hear about it.
1: So I'm, I'm going to talk about him last. I'm going to say the best for last here. Uh, but there are some other people that are worth mentioning. So uh, Patrick Ballman, who's a longtime FIBA executive. Barbara Stevens is the five-time Division II National Coach of the Year. Uh, Kim Mulkey is a three-time NCAA National Championship coach at Baylor. Rudy Tamjanovich is a two-time NBA champion as a coach. Eddie Sutton is a four-time National Coach of the Year. Uh, Tamika Catchings, a ten-time WNBA All-Star, four-time Olympic gold medalist. Medalist, excuse me. Shout out to Tamika Catchings. So now we're talking about the the NBA guys, the Big Three here. Kevin Garnett, who you know is one of my favorite players ever. Uh, career averages are almost eighteen points, ten boards, four assists, a one point three steals, and one point four blocks. KG is one of the most one of the most versatile uh, and intense big men that the game has ever seen. Uh, he's actually my favorite power forward ever. I would take KG over any power forward to be on my team any day, uh, and that's including Tim Duncan, who I'm about to talk about next. Uh, he's an NBA champion, uh, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, nine-time All NBA performer, fifteen-time All Star, and he spent twelve had was on an All Defensive Team twelve times. So KG was a monster on both sides on both sides of the court. He had ten straight seasons averaging twenty points, at least twenty points, ten rebounds, four assists, and at least one point two steals and blocks per game. So, like I say, this speaks to his versatility. He is the definition of what people want bigs to be like today. And uh, next, have Tim Duncan, the big fundamental, a five-time NBA champion, three-time finals MVP, two-time regular season MVP, 15-time all-NBA performer, 15-time all-defensive team, and he's a 15-time all-star. Like I mentioned, uh, the big fundamental, most fundamentally sound big the game has ever seen, was a monster on both ends of the court and was the reason the Spurs that was the reason uh, for the Spurs dynasty the Spurs dynasty excuse me and now uh, we have Kobe Bryant who is you know everybody knows me that's my favorite player of all time I think he's the most skilled player that the game has ever seen five time NBA champion two time finals MVP a regular season MVP 15 time all NBA 12 time all defensive team and 18 time all-star I think Kobe was one of those guys that was able to help revolutionize the game, uh, push the game forward, take it to another, take it to another level over in China. Uh, and what he was able to do, you know, on the court and then off the court later in his life uh, was simply amazing. Kobe was the reason I watched basketball. You know, as a kid, you know, you start watching basketball with your pops or, or whoever. That's usually who gets who introduces you to the game. Uh, but Kobe was the one that, that kept me watching the game. I remember countless nights watching games where he would make an amazing play. I remember him hitting countless game winners, in particular the one over Dwayne Wade on a Friday night off the glass. I remember that shot like it was yesterday. So, you know, watching Kobe growing up, I saw a lot of great moments. uh, And that concluded, you know, with the 60-point game. I remember watching that, waking up the next morning and uh, talking to my mama with, like, the joy of a little kid. So the joy I got when I watched Kobe Brown play is uh, something I think I'll never never see. I'll never get from watching another player play. I just love the way he played basketball, his competitive drive, his intensity, Uh, His skill level, his work ethic is something that people can take, uh, not just for basketball, but in life.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, You made, you know, a lot, a lot of great points. Uh, Again, congratulations to the Hall of Fame uh, or 2020 Hall of Fame class that got inducted. Uh, You know, you couldn't have said it any better, especially Kobe Bryant. You know, great, great career. Uh, uh, Second or well, widely regarded as the second or top two shooting guard of all time, uh, could put the ball in the hole any kind of way, could defend your, you know, top perimeter threat on any given night, pretty much wanted to snatch your soul out. Uh, his work ethic was unmatched. Uh, and we'll never forget, you know, the competitive standard he set uh, and just, you know, what a model human being he was on and off the court. Uh and then moving on to the next person uh you know you brought up Kevin Garnett you say he's your favorite power forward of all time you know i think a lot of people would agree with that <clears throat> i think he's mine as well uh you know i i love chicago basketball players and kevin garnett's right up there for me with Derrick Rose and Anthony Davis and guys like that uh you know he embodied that toughness especially on the defensive end of the floor uh he get in your face, talk all kinds of trash, probably arguably the greatest trash talker of all time. And last but not least, uh Tim Duncan, the big fundamental, like you said, most fundamentally sound uh big man of all time. Uh he really had no holes in this game. And you know, what was it? Kevin Garnett gave the story about how he would trash talk in one word, and man, that would just get under my skin. <laughs> If you just running back on the other end and you playing defense on Tim Duncan, and all he's saying is, gotcha. Or oops. <laughs> or maybe next time. Uh, but like I said, all these guys, uh all time greats, uh, definitely great careers. Uh, and shout out to Mika Ketchens, the Lady of uh, on being inducted as well. And funny story. Her and Kobe actually both grew up in Italy, uh, and there was a photo of them uh, where they were together like 35 years ago. Kobe was eight and she was seven uh, where they were at the Coliseum in Rome. So for them to come full circle and be inducted into the Hall of Fame on the same day, uh, that story right there is just nothing short of incredible. Uh, But, Jimmy, did you have anything else to add, bro?
1: No, I didn't. Uh, and next week, we'll talk about the 2021 Hall of Fame class. so
0: Which is another star-studded class. Yes,
1: yes.
0: And also features the first HBCU uh, Hall of Fame inductee of all time. So Shout out. Shout out. Uh, but, again, we appreciate y'all for listening. You know, feel free to let us know who you got in the playoffs, who you got winning uh, the NBA um, awards. Um, I'm Quentin Douglas.
1: And I'm Jimmy Covington.
0: All right. Again, we appreciate y'all. And until next time, deuces.
1: Thank y'all. We out.